church. We've been doing this series, I've called it the Theology of Trees, and, and we're actually done with it. So we started all the way back in Genesis, we did the, we did the Tree of Life, and then we did the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. Um, we moved on to the Burning Bush. which technically isn't a tree, but it has branches, and it has um, leaves, and it roots, and it's close enough in my book. Uh, we went into the New Testament. We talked about the sycamore fig tree that Zacchaeus climbs. Um, and then we did probably my favorite tree, and also a lot of people in this church so near and dear to our heart, the withered fig. We talked then about the New Testament writers would often use this phrase um, when they were writing the New Testament. They, they called Jesus' tree the cross, or Jesus' cross the tree. Um, and so we talked about the cross as a tree. And then lastly, um, we just finished up last week. Um, it starts here with, with these trees in the garden, and it goes all the way to the end. There, I call it the tree of life 2.0 which happens in the book of Revelation. So we have all these trees that we've walked through. I'm trying to, I think we started this series maybe May or June that we kind of started doing this, this teaching series. So this morning what we'll do is we'll review all of these teachings. Um, and I was thinking about this because anytime I do a teaching series, I always we always spend some time and we review. We always go back. And I was almost going to have you guys answer why we do that, why we review, why that's important for us as a church. Um, I've said this before, and, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again and again, is that experience teaches us nothing. Experience with reflection is what teaches us. Um, and so unless we actually take the time to pause and reflect on some of the things. By the way, the kids' church might be bigger than the adult church today. It's, it's pretty strong over there. Um, unless we take the time to reflect on what's going on in our lives, on what we've learned and experienced, um, we just don't learn anything. Another uh, author that I like, his name is J.R. Briggs, he says that half of learning is reveal, right? So you might have learned a bunch of stuff, but if you don't actually take the time to review it and, and kind of reflect on it, then you've missed 50% of it. Imagine your child going to school and saying, we are only going to teach your child 50% this year. And you'd be like, why would you only teach my child 50%, right? You would expect that the teacher would be teaching them all that they know, making sure that they're doing their most that they can to learn. Um, a couple other thoughts that I've been thinking on lately about why I love to spend at least one re week and review all the stuff is because I really feel that it emphasizes, at least in my heart and soul, that we're not in a hurry as a church, right? So often churches kind of just go, 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 and it's a lot of activity and a lot of movement and a lot of new hype and new excitement and a lot of new series. But for me, it's just important for us to kind of uh, say, we're not in a hurry here. We are taking the long road of obedience. We are experiencing, as we talked about last week, that, that tree speed growth. We are not trying to rush things. We are just slowly, methodically working through the scriptures, through the Bible. And then lastly, 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 um, what is so important for me as a pastor, what is so important for me um, as a shepherd of this church is that you all would hear the voice of the Lord and that you would respond appropriately to that. Um, I'm, I'm 
I'm just, hopefully God is just speaking to me, through me into your hearts and minds and souls and that you are hearing a word from the Lord and then speaking into, and then the God is speaking that to you and then you're responding to that. Um, so what I want to do is, I want to do, like I said, I want to review these real briefly um, and then I'm going to give you some time just to kind of be on your own um, to review or to listen or to meditate or to reflect um, on what we've traveled through over the past couple months. Um, and you'll just have some, some space on your own to do that. So hopefully this will be about 10 or 15 minutes and then I'll send you off for a, a little bit of time as well too. Um, so I got, I got seven things and I know you're thinking seven, well, that's a lot. I just got seven things that I want to kind of hit on that as I looked over all these teachings over the last couple months, um, these are like seven points, quotes, thoughts, ideas that stood out to me. Number one, and I, I've said this a couple times, um, I'm just trying to figure out how to summarize this. Somehow, uh, I was using this as a microphone for this, and all of a sudden music is playing through my ear, because it says broadcast failed. It was, uh, here's to you, Mr. Robin, Mr. Robinson or Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> so it just started replaying from the, so we're going to share that. Um, that is the voice of the Lord. Does that mean we're done? <laughs> That's it. All right, we'll try it again. Okay, I'm just going to put this word mentioned or I'm going to put number three is what I'm going to put. Number one is number three. And what I mean by number three is that I've said this at the beginning, but um, as far as things mentioned in the Bible, right? God and, human, God and humans, God and people are number one and two. Trees end up being the third most mentioned living thing in the Bible, right? So again, if you were to read a book and, and you were to realize that this was the, the third most mentioned thing, it's, it's a major importance here in the scripture, um, we could think that, um, I don't know if this is too strong of a statement to say that trees end up being the plot, right? Trees end up being the plot. The, the trees that we experience and that we fail in the garden, we trace them all the way through the scriptures and we end up at the tree of life in the end, right? So you can almost think of trees as the plot with God and humans kind of just winding through those. And so again, number one is number three is trees are just the, the number third mentioned thing in the Bible. And I think that we, we, we learned something from that. Um, number two was that, um, I don't want to say this. I want to say, I think a big thing that I started looking at this series was this kind of phrase repetition with variance. Right. So, for example, I think one of the big things, and this kind of ties into trees being the plot, is that in the creation narrative, right, you have you have light from darkness, right, on day one. On day two, you have um, sky from sea, right, and then day three, you kind of have plants and trees, right. And then what happens in the creation narrative is that number four, you get the stars, moon, sun, right? 
which links here with light and darkness. And then on day five, you get the birds and the fish, right? Which links here with the sky and the sea. And then on day six, you get the creation of humanity, which obviously links here with the plants and the trees. So again, just kind of this idea of repetition with variance. And we observe that multiple times throughout our teachings this time was, was just kind of a real, a real aha moment for me. Um, I'm going to struggle to get this all on, but we'll make it work. Number three, I'm just going to put the bush um, and then just the humility. So we went to Moses' burning bush and we looked at the burning bush. And, and as I was reflecting on the teaching, the, the biggest thing for me there was that God speaks through a bush, right? And I, if I were God... I wouldn't make, make a good God, by the way, but if I were God and I want, was on like this, this, this plan to go rescue my people, right? And I was going to call my guy and I was going to send him a message and I was going to let him know. I mean, look at the massive trees that we have around here, right? If you were God, wouldn't you choose one of those trees to light on fire and then kind of like raise your voice through? And yet God, I don't know if you can kind of see maybe over there kind of beyond the kids, there's that little sign just those little bushes right there, right? And one of the commentators just points out how humble it is that God chooses not the massive tree to speak through, right? But just chooses the bushes to say, Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. I got some work for you to do. That was a big moment for me to kind of think about that burning bush. It was powerful. Um, and then we moved... And by the way, I'm not even talking about all the, all the teachings. These are just some, some personal highlights. Um, we moved kind of into the New Testament. We talked about our boy Zacchaeus. And I'm just going to put oppressed. And then I'm going to slash and I'm going to do a hyphen. Um, oppressed and the oppressor. Um, this might have been, I think, the, the most important moment for me throughout this whole teaching series. When we talk about Zacchaeus... We made the connection that uh, right before the narrative of Zacchaeus is, is the, the, the story of blind Bartimaeus, right? The guy who is blind, who is oppressed, who is pushed to the side. And you have Jesus calling him. You have Jesus standing alongside the oppressed. It's impossible to read the Gospels. It's impossible to read the Bible at all without understanding that God is on the side of the oppressed, the marginalized, the hurting, those who have been victimized, Right? But then in the very next passage, Jesus goes to eat at the house of Zacchaeus, right? And Zacchaeus, in, in, in that language, would, would have been the oppressor, right? He would have been the one who had, been, had the boot. He was taking advantage of those people. He was stealing, right? Um, Zacchaeus, we kind of joked around too. When we think about Zacchaeus, right, he's just a short little guy, and we have pity and compassion, and we feel sorry for him, and he's kind of a sinner, in the sense of like, oh, that poor guy, you know. Um, but Zacchaeus was an oppressor, right? Zacchaeus would be somebody who would make our stomach angry when we would see him walking on the street, right? He would make us furious. And Ken Bailey, in his, in his book, he's, talked, he's had this brilliant quote, and I'm going to quote it twice because I think it's so important, right? Bailey said about this Zacchaeus and um, Bartimaeus 
relationship right next to in, right next door in the scriptures. He says that just because God often sides with the oppressed, right, does not mean he always opposes the oppressor. It is possible to oppose the oppressor and still give comfort to them. Let me read that one more time. Just because God often sides with the oppressed does not mean he always opposes the oppressor. It is possible to oppose the oppressor and still give comfort to them. We talked a lot about during that time about this current conversation that we have, these false dichotomies that we're proposed with, that you're either uh, for African Americans, for Black Lives Matter, and against the police, or you're for the police, and you're a racist, a racist or you're anti-Black Lives Matter. And we have these false dichotomies, these false um, options that are given to us as a society, and we see Jesus in the middle, right? On one hand, in this, in this context, marching, right? Marching alongside those who are oppressed and marginalized and hurting and have been victimized. And then the very next day, so to speak, going to have dinner or um, going to be with, with officers or law enforcement. And he stands in the middle, right? And it's that costly love that I think is one of the real things that got Jesus killed. Because people don't have the context that you can one day march with this group and the next day go eat at this person's house. And Jesus does it. And Bailey again says that just because um, God often sides with the oppressed does not mean he always opposes the oppressor. It's possible to oppose the oppressor, which Jesus does. He says, Zacchaeus, what you're doing is wrong. And yet he still gives comfort to him. Um, To insert this posture into our current conversations and dialogues um, takes courage. It's a bit dangerous. It takes wisdom. It takes a filling of the spirit. If we're not doing that homework, if we're not doing that interior work, asking God to fill us, this, these kind of conversations, we just get sucked back into the, the false dichotomies, the either ors, the either you're with us or you're against us. Jesus stands in the middle. He gives us a great example. Um, number five, we ended up rolling into the fifth Sunday. Um, which is our serve day, and um, we ended up, I think some of you guys did, and some other folks went and planted some trees uh, somewhere out there, or trimmed trees, or were doing some tree work. Um, Matthew Sleeth's book, uh, Reforesting Faith, was so helpful for me during this series. So he says this about planting trees. This was important, and it's continued to be important for me as I think about trees. Sleeth says this, He says, planting trees demonstrates love for our neighbors and hope for future generations. From a faith perspective, all parents, grandparents, and older generations should plant trees with children or the younger generation, right? He says, here's the reason why. It is a tangible way for older folks to say, we believe in your generation. We don't know what the politics will be in 100 years what technologies you'll have. But the one thing we are certain about is you will need trees, right? So we planted some trees. And if you haven't done that, I'd still encourage you just to kind of go find a spot. If it's in your backyard, if it's at a park, if it's somewhere else that you would find a spot and go plant some trees. It is a tangible way for older folks to say, we believe in your generation. I know that in 20, 30 years, 100 years, my children will need trees, right? The planet can survive or um, trees can survive without humans. Humans cannot survive without trees. 
So go plant a tree if you haven't done that yet. Um, number six, we talked about the cross. Um, when we talked about the cross, that, that passage in, um, in 1 Peter 2, and we talked about Christ as our example, right? We talked about Christ as our example. 1 Peter 2, uh, 21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. That word example is, uh, it's underwriting, right? So again, if you have the little kids and you're teaching them how to make their letters, and you've probably all seen something like this, right? And you're teaching Billy or Johnny or Sally or whoever it is to write their letters, and you have this kind of dotted line, or maybe it's a light gray line, Okay, Johnny, start from the, or is it top to bottom, Jolene? What are we doing here? Top top to bottom? Okay. Top to bottom, Billy. Billy goes, ah, right? Top to bottom, Billy. And down again. Okay, cross them, right? And the idea that Peter is using here is that Jesus' life is those, um, those dotted lines, right? Those dotted lines that then you and I, our goal is to come and trace over his life to the best of our ability. And we do it again and again and again until we learn how to write the letters. The steps or the letters that we, I should have done an S, the, the letter or the word that we are tracing over is suffering, right? And often churches, I'll come here, and you can go to a church and they'll tell you how to make your life better and how to make everything easy and how to relieve all your stress and take away your anxiety and to get rich. And Peter says that you were called, right, because Christ suffered for you. And he leaves an example for you that you will follow in his steps. Again, maybe I could just do a, a big S. That's what we, we are called to do. We are called to suffer in the steps of Christ. When we are suffering, we are actually writing over the very letters of Christ's life. All right, number seven, the last one. And I'm just going to write this word. Um, we, we, went into, we went into Revelation. We looked at the book of Revelation. We looked at that last tree, the tree of life 2.0, where it all gets resolved. Um, and we just spent some time kind of considering heaven, kind of thinking about heaven, kind of putting our eyes towards heaven, um, just as a way to... to yeah, C.S. Lewis says that the people who do most in this world end up thinking the most about the next world, right? And a lot of times, you know, you can come to church and we can tell you how to make this week easy and to take this stress away. And we don't often set before you a vision of heaven, right? A vision of what is to be. And we took some time kind of uh, working through that, that heaven idea. Uh, one of the, the kind of novels that I've been reading uh, recently had this, this line in it that I, I just fell in love with. And he says, he says, I often imagine what humans could do if there was no scarcity. Nothing to fight over, just an unending expanse to explore and to name and to fill with life and art. And I kind of added on to that beauty, love, flourishing, worship, right? When I think about, when I close my eyes and think about heaven, 
there is no scarcity. There's no people fighting over resources. There's no people trying to climb on top of one another. It is an unending expanse to explore and to name and to fill with life and art. Think about the garden. What was the garden like, right? It was an unending expanse for Adam and Eve to explore and name and fill with life and art and beauty and love and flourishing. And just for us to kind of get our eyes towards heaven for a little bit, just to think about the reality and the goodness and the nature of heaven. Um, again, just to put our eyes towards that was, was so worthwhile for us. Now, lastly, what I want to do, hmm, what I want to do, I think I, for about the next 10 minutes, I don't know how this will work for 10 minutes or so, but I want to do this. I'm going to try and make this real quick. Uh, I emailed everybody this week, um, all my sermon notes material. And if, if you're not on the email list, I'll do that right now as soon as we're done with this. Um, but you ha- should have an email and it has all the teachings that I've done. It has all the notes in the series. What I want you to do is I want you to take your chair and I want you to, I know this might sound a little hippie. My dad's visiting from California. He's probably those weirdos in California, left coast. I want you to find a tree to sit in front of or a tree to stare at, right? We are talking about the trees and we are in this park in the, in the midst of all these beautiful different variety, tree, variety of trees. And I want you just to kind of sit there and reflect and meditate on all the things that we've learned. Okay? Um, and then open one of the sermons. You can review it. It should take you, I don't know, about five or so minutes to, to, to read through my notes. And what I want you to do then is there's a couple questions at the end. And you'll take your time and you'll work through those reflection questions. Um, if you're going to do the Moses teaching, maybe a bush would be helpful to kind of sit in front of. There's, again, over there by the, the front of the park, there's some bushes. Actually, in front of the rec hall, there's some small bushes. I, I even thought about, like, kind of having a perspective of a bush and a tree to, to kind of have that relationship. Um, so you could do that. You can do this alone, Right? You can go off by yourself and you can go sit in front of a tree and just have that moment between you and the Lord. You can do this with another person, right? So often in church, we talk about, oh, it's just you and your relationship with God. Well, it's not really just you and your relationship with God. We are all in this together. So if you wanted to do this with another person, you could go sit with another person. And the last thing I want to say is that you can do this, right? Like this is, I hope as a pastor, one of the things that I'm teaching you is, almost to be self-sufficient in this range, right? People talk about, I'm not getting fed at church. This would be the opportunity for you to feed yourself, that I'm teaching you not only, uh, that I'm not only feeding you, but teaching you how to feed yourself. And this would be a moment where you get to go experiment with this in this process. So um, I, I really believe, and this is why I teach and preach, is that God wants to speak to you, right? He really does. He wants to give a word into your soul that is affirming and that is, um, and that is without doubt him. And he wants to point you and direct you in a certain way of your life. And he wants to do that. Okay? So, if you have the email and you know where that's at in your phone, you are free to go. If you need the email with all the teachings on it or if, you, um, if, if that's something that you need, just come to me and we'll, we'll distribute that real quick. It's 11.07, maybe come, uh, I would say 11.20, so 13 minutes. Um, take the next, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And, and then that'll kind of be it for this morning. So to the Facebook land, I'll, I'll sign off. 
Um, hopefully you have it there on Facebook to the people who are watching. If not, send me a message and I'll, I'll send those out to you as well. Um, and and that'll, that'll wrap it up. And then, yes, come back at about 11.20 and we'll, we'll call it a morning. Any questions? Go, Isan.